Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high-performance innovation and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. And in this episode, we're talking to Kirk, the CTO at Cargo Chief, a company working to bring tech solutions that are available to larger companies to those that need that cutting edge help as well. So let's not delay. Let's get Kirk into the space to share his enlightening stories and knowledge. Welcome, Kirk. Welcome to CTO Confessions Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Brilliant. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself. What do you do and who do you work for? I'm the CTO of Cargo Chief, and we are a freight logistics SaaS service. We connect, right now we connect freight brokers and carriers so they can easily find each other and, you know, move freight. Um, And I would say, you know, in a nutshell, our goal is really to streamline and provide the technology to the entire freight market that right now exists sort of only at the very high end of, of the freight market. Um, and so we're, we're really trying to sort of level that field by, by giving the technology to all of the players. Um, and so that, that's, that's a little bit about Cargo Chief and me. I, we've been working on this for, gosh, almost four years, um, which is kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> and and uh, and and I've been you know I've been a startup guy for for a while. Um, so this is this is second or third or fourth one in a row, I guess, um, which which I enjoy and maybe my wife doesn't enjoy um, as much. <laughs> but uh, but uh, but I've been fortunate enough to be able to to live in that space. I'm really curious, Kirk, about your transition from techie to tech leadership. How how was that? How did was that a kind of a a baptism of fire or was it? kind of a fun ride. I think it, I think it is always a, a baptism of fire a, a little bit. I think that I, just by the nature of my career, probably got to grow into it a little easier than, than some people. Um, you know, I, I learned early on. I mean, I, out of school, I worked um, at Lockheed Martin for, at, at the NASA, at Johnson Space Center, um, which was a really cool job, but I, I, after a few years, I learned quickly that I just was not a big, a big company guy. Um, and so I, I got, you know, I've been in the startup space for most of the 20 something years, um, because I just, I operate a lot better in a, in a sort of a small team and a fast paced environment. And so I think as, as a result of that, I sort of got to organically become the leader. Um, as opposed to, you know, I know I have friends and co- colleagues who are, you know, they work at bigger companies and, you know, there's, you know, you're getting promoted and you're always thinking about what the next step is. And suddenly you're running a 10 person organization or a 20 person team or, you yeah. know, and it's like, I, I think it's a little different. Um, I have done that a few times, but it also, you know, it happened. I was at a startup and we started hiring people and, you know, and over time, and then we got bigger and we hired more people. And it, it was a very organic process of, you know, which people on the team sort of became the leaders. There was never this like, 
oh, we're going to have a performance review. And the boss <laughs> is like, oh, well, I think you should be the, you know, you should be the leader of this team. It just, it just sort of happened. And it's so it's self-organizing almost, you know, it's almost, that. almost. And I, and I think that's, I think that's not, I think that's, I don't know if that's, I don't know, but I, my guess is that's not, you know, that's not that common unless you're somebody who's living always in the, in the startup space, which, it, which is one of the reasons I like it. Right. I think it's, when you start very small and you grow, if you're, if you're doing it right, things just, you know, there's always these problems and bumps, but it sort of grows, right? It just um, sort of grows and evolves, which, which I like, as opposed to that more, once you get to a certain size, you just have to have a more rigid structure and you have to have more processes in place and more rules. And it's, um, and, you know, yeah. ironically now we're getting to a point at Cargo Chief where I'm having to start to think about those things. And it's, that's <laughs> oh, no. a, that is a new challenge, but now it's, it's, it's a fun challenge to sort of be growing that, right. Um, as opposed to sort of landing there and like coming up in it, I think I'm, you know, maybe I'm trying to convince myself of that, but, um, <laughs> but uh, well, well, you know, it, it's it is interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting how uh, companies, as they do grow, you know, the the pains and the uh, the growing pains and, and the changes that need to happen. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm really curious as to you know how tech leaders, some tech leaders, have managed to keep that kind of startup culture, but but grow. You know, they create the guardrails to create the processes and alignment. I think, and what have you. I think you know, I, I I mean, it always just comes down to communication, right? I think that's the and I I always you know I think that's the biggest challenge that I always saw as your organization grows, right? At you, everybody at big companies, I feel like people always feel like they don't know what's going on, right? They know what's happening in their little group or sort of their section and and no, and, and companies do it differently, but I think they always, you know, there's not a right answer. And, but that was the way I, I've always felt that bigger companies is like you just, there's too much siloing. And so I think that, you know, to me, that's the thing as we grow as a company that I try to be really aware of. And I'm already, you know, we have, we're, you know, we're still only 12 or 15 people, I guess, but, um, mm. but it, it, you know, you can quickly see why that happens, why there's, you know, it's hard to communicate across everybody all the time. But I think that's to me, the big challenges is, is not even transparency, but just making you know, everybody knows what's going on and has, you know, has a, a picture, right? I think that's, to me, that's kind of the focus. Brilliant. So coming back to your company, Cargo Chief, I, I love this idea of, of creating the tools for the market, the kind of smaller players within the market, that the big players yeah. have already kind of got this nailed. Uh, I mean, is, is that quite a challenging place to work to kind of get the adoption of your tool? Or, I mean, how's that working? It, it, it is, it is, I mean, the freight market in, in general is a, is a challenging place for logistics. Um, and so, you know, again, like Cargo Chief, what we, what we started out to build actually was purely what I would call an execution play. We were really looking at automating certain steps of, of the process. And so you have, you know, you have these shippers who are out there, they have products that they need to move from the warehouse or the factory and they need to get them to stores or they need to get them to other, you know, their customers who are taking the products and combining them into other products, what, what have you. Um, and you have these carriers who are driving the trucks. And then in the middle, you have um, freight brokers and they're, you know, they're the middlemen, but they're, they're, they serve a pretty important 
purpose of, of, of connecting these two very different worlds of the people who are producing things and the people who are transporting things all over the, you know, all over the country, all over the world. Um, and they don't, you know, those two worlds don't collide except for when things need to move. Um, and so that's the, the freight broker is, is the person who has those relationships. And in terms of cargo chief, what, you know, what we've, what we started out doing was really trying to automate some of those steps. And so, you know, the freight broker is there and their customer, you know, let's, you know, it's Dell computer and they have a new shipment of computers that is coming in, needs to be picked up at, you know, at the port or picked up from the, the factory and taken out to all the Best Buys or all the Walmarts or, or what have you, right? And they need somebody to get that shipping done. So they're calling a freight broker. Um, now maybe Dell is big enough and they try to do that themselves, but, um, and the broker is then going out to, to carriers and finding people and they're booking it. And, um, and there's a lot of, just a lot of paperwork, right? There's, you know, there's confirmations and proof of delivery and all this. And we started out trying to automate a lot of that. And there's been a, just a long list of companies who built mobile apps that were going to like take pictures of all these documents and scan them and, and, uh, do all these things. And what we really found was unless you were dealing with the biggest players, the industry just wasn't ready to adopt that, right? Like it, it, you could build the technology to automate all of that for, for, for sure. Um, but the industry just wasn't ready. And so we've kind of backed up and now we're much more it's more of an information service, really. We're, we're really about helping these brokers and these carriers manage their relationships and sort of optimize their, their ability to find the right people. Um, because, you know, we find even now, on average, when a, when, when a truck is moving, it, it's probably, you know, 10 or 20 phone calls uh, and emails are going back and forth. It, wow. It's not automatic at, at all, right? Um, and it, even in the case where, you know, it's a big company like a Dell and they have contract carriers who are supposed to pick up all their freight. Well, you know, those contracts are usually like, it's over the course of a year, you're contracted to carry so many loads, right? And here's the rate that we pay you. Well, you know, on a particular day, if the shipment shows up and the market is paying $500 higher than that contract rate. Well, the carrier has a decision to make, right? Like, am I going to go try and find a, you know, a, a better deal or is today the day that I'm going to do that, you know, that, and there's a lot of little pieces and it, it's just not automatic. And so what we've come back to is more of a service that's focused on helping them find the right people um, and, and know who the right people are because they're, you know, some of our customers, the freight broker will deal with literally a thousand different carriers over the course of a year. Mm. And how do you know which one to call, right? I mean, even if they do work for you every month, keeping track of all that is, is a challenge. And knowing, you know, it's not just a CRM where you look up, oh, here's their phone number and here's the last email I sent them. Like, you need to know do they show up on time and do they show up at this port? And like, you know, there's a lot of pieces. And so we've really gotten into that. And it's, again, it's, it's those, the biggest players have all this technology and they have a lot of it much more automated, but 
the market in general doesn't have that. And there's, yeah. you know, thousands and thousands of brokers and hundreds of thousands of carriers and just in the US that are still doing things with an email and a cell phone. Hmm. And, yeah. you know, and so right now, you know, I think the market really is, technology is ahead of, of what can be adopted. And so that's where we're trying to focus now. I mean, I think the long term is, is there is going to be a lot of automation and streamlining of those processes. But the reality is right now, it's, it's, you've got to get, you've got to build up the, the trust and sort of the penetration of getting some technology into these people's hands and getting them used to using that day to day first. And yes. that's kind of where we're coming from. Excellent. That's, that's great. I, I can see um, this being a real enabler. And I guess the other side of it is from a business perspective is that the data that you can collect from this. Once you create, create automation, it's auditable, you know, where things are. Yeah. Uh, people can focus on the actual job as opposed to fiddling around with text messages and what have you. Yeah. So are you, are you using the data behind the scenes for anything? So, so we, we certainly do, right? I mean, we definitely, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I think, of course, we're painting this picture of this big altruistic uh, information source. But yeah, no, we, we definitely still, you know, we do work on execution pieces, right? And we, we work on automating certain steps and really streamlining, you know, instead of, you know, like we will sometimes tell our customers, instead of making 10 phone calls, our goal is just, you only have to make two phone calls, right? Or instead of sending a hundred emails, we will send the right 20 emails to get you an answer, right? And so we are using that information under the scene, under the covers to, you know, really bubble up the right information. It's just like, you can, I, I think of it a lot like a Google search, right? I mean, Google, yeah has all this technology running behind their search. And the end result is the right three things are at the top of the list every time, right? Like no matter what you search for, yeah. they always give you the right links. I mean, whoever whoever goes to Google and like clicks through to the second page of the search results, right? Like you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're like, you're doing something very particular if you're on the second page yes. of Google search results, right? And And that's kind of how we look at it right now is, we're trying to be, that's the, that's really the service we want to provide is when you're in the tool or when the tool is hooked up into your workflow, the right information is at your, at your fingertips right then, right? Instead of searching through and looking up and, you know, I mean, we hear the simplest things. I mean, actually a, a great story about this right now is we have one of our biggest customers they literally just told me the other day that they they signed up with us because we let them get rid of all the sticky notes on their desks. <laughs> they literally just needed a better note-taking application. Yeah. And and it was an afterthought for us. Like we had added it and it wasn't and now we're actually building some stuff around it because because it's this, you know, it's turned into a feature for us, but um you know, it was something that we just added because one of one of my, you know, one of the te guys on my customer success side used to work as a brokerage and he was like, you got to have notes, right? You got to, you got to have a place for them to type all this stuff in because they're always on the phone and they're just like writing down sticky notes and they're like, it's all over their desk. And, and sure enough, you know, we, we added this little simple thing where they could take notes and, and 
And we started, you know, of course we index those and we start filtering them and doing stuff with that information. But, but to them, it was just literally, Hey, yeah, not only do I not have sticky notes, but now I have 10 or 15 people in here and we can all see each other's notes. Every time we're looking at this account, we can see all the notes that everybody took and it's not. Yeah. And, and that was the, that was the selling point. It wasn't we automated the workflow or we took it was literally we just took away their sticky notes and <laughs> i was like okay what what yeah. is it what is it 1999 and we're talking about we're talking about note taking <laughs> yeah. apps but you know that was the the thing yes um, and, and i think the the really interesting thing around this is that you know sometimes we are looking at solutions that are very kind of high you know high level but some real basic stuff that people want you know if you don't get that right then it's then it's painful so this brings me on to a, a curiosity question around how you figure out uh what your carriers are needing because this feedback loops from your kind of customer base i ma- imagine are really important to you it's you know it's 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 uh you know for us right now it's still very much you know we have i would say we're really focused on building out what I would call our customer success team, even more, even more like we're not, we're, we haven't really, we haven't hired an engineer in a while, which is, you know, sometimes a point of contention, but, um, but, but we're really, our resources right now are going into our growth and our customer success because the customer base is just, it's, you know, it's, it's a very low tech group in general, right? Um, they have, you know, certain tools that they've always used and they've, you know, a lot of those were built, gosh, even in the, not even in the 2000s, like it's really a lot of desktop software and things that have evolved over time from, you know, the early days of computing and they're still out there. Um, and, and so for us, it's really, it's just outreach. It's calling them and talking to them and we're starting to kind of try to figure out how we'll do you know, like we're not big enough to do like, you know, conferences or something, but, but, but mm. group, group sessions. And yes. that's, it's a little tricky because there's a lot of competition amongst our customers. You know, we have all these freight brokers and they're, they're really, you know, so they don't always want to share and publicize like they, of course, like any, any business, everybody thinks they have, you know, the secret sauce that they don't want to give away. So we're trying to figure out how we can, can build some community around that where they'll be be comfortable um, because there is you know I think how we really get a lot of customers is trying to just provide thought leadership in the space that's kind of our marketing right it's not you know I mean you can run ads and you can put out stuff that says hey my software is better than everybody else's but um, but really the the way to get a message out that resonates is is to have people who are in the industry talking about like you know what the problem is and how the software helped them and and so we we try to find customers who will talk to us and we do you know lots of podcasts and little segments that we can publish and um and so it's it's just about it's just about focusing on that outreach and getting them to talk to you and tell you right um what's going on and and it's it's a luxury i think it's i hope you know i think it's it's a luxury of being in a in a small company and still you know we have a few hundred customers but still small enough that we can reach out to them and and touch them coming back to yourself um and your leadership what's your leadership style like what's how do you roll as a leader (laughs) um you know i i think um 
I, I think my 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 teams would provide hopefully describe me as pretty pretty you know a low touch and and high trust. I think those are, you know, those are the things that always resonated with me when I was younger. Is the people who sort of gave me the the room to fail, right? But also to succeed, right? Yeah. I think it's you know, um, and and now you know a phrase that I've learned relatively recently. And I, you know, I'm still learning about it myself, but I think it, it resonates is the idea of being, a, you know, the ser a servant leader, right, is and really understanding that your job as the manager or the leader of the team is just to make sure that everybody else on the team has what they need to be successful, right? Yeah. You're no longer, you're, you're, you're not being successful if you have to get involved in every single thing, right? That's, that's just not... Uh, you know, it, it can't scale. And most, most importantly, right, if you're if you're involved in every decision, and you're looking over everybody's shoulder. And so I think, you know, I try to start that early. I mean, Cargo Chief is still very small. And our, you know, our core engineering team is only six, seven people at the moment, including myself. So we're, you know, we're early days, but it's important to sort of build that up. Because I, you know, I tell the, the folks on the team now, as we hire, they're going to be the ones who are becoming the leaders, right? I don't want to have to go, I don't want to be, you know, in a year hiring people to be my, my engineering managers. I want, you know, these are the people I want them. And so I, you know, I try to instill in them now, like, Hey, hey I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to give you here, here's the, here's the guideposts, but like you guys <laughs> yeah. do it, right. Go do it. And, you know, sometimes, Hey, you know, things are going to get, you know, Hopefully we don't break any eggs that, you know, blow up the ship, but, um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, you know, but, you know, but, but, but if you're not breaking eggs, um, you're never learning. Right. I mean, nobody, nobody learns from just doing the right thing every time, because that probably means that somebody's telling you what the right thing was. Right. And I, you know, I don't think anybody learns that way. And so I think that's, you know, the things that are important to me are really, enabling the team to be successful and, and enabling them to grow, right? Even, even when it's only three or four engineers, right? There's always, you know, in, inevitably there's somebody who's either they're the boss or they're just clearly like the most experienced and the best leader and they know the most, but you got to make sure that you're letting everybody else sort of get there right you can't just tell them what to do and constantly be saying no that's not the right way do it this way like you got to just give them the space mm -hmm. to, to grow and and build out build out that team and yeah so a, a curiosity around that kind of leadership switch that you kind of mentioned that you know becoming more of a certain leader i mean where was the re what was the driver to kind of make you realize that that was the best form of leading uh, was there a um I mean, it's certainly, certainly, you know, trial and error, um, you know, I think it, it's, um, but it's also just taking the time to think about, you know, the things that I, in my own career that, that worked for me and, and didn't work for me. Right. And, and part of, part of, you know, I, I kind of alluded earlier, I, I learned early on that I was, I was not, you know, I wasn't a great fit to jump into these, a big, corporation with lots of bureaucracy and structure like that's just not you know that hasn't ever been what i what i enjoy right i want to be in a you know a smaller faster paced you know environment and so the places that that works you necessarily right when you're starting a startup 
there's not room for somebody on the team who has to be handheld and managed, right? Everybody on the team has to be able to just, oh, here's the problem. I'm solving this one today. And like, they just have to, you either can do that or you, you can't. And it's not, not everybody's, not everybody, it's not a fit for everybody, right? There's definitely people who are much more comfortable. I, you know, I know lots of people now in my career who really love, they work at big companies and they're, they, you know, they're fit in a certain part of the company and they, and they, that's their thing. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's just a different mindset. And so I think for me, it's just been really looking at what worked for me. And then now, at, you know, I, what I hope to do is, is grow a bigger company, right? Like I don't want to, you know, the goal of a startup is not to just build a small team and then, you know, kind of, I don't know, go poof. It's, it's, <laughs> it's to grow a company, right. And to build. Yeah. And, yeah. and so it's about translating those things that work. Um, so it's just been learned, I guess, most. Yeah, that's great. Like, I mean, yeah. It's good. It's good to share uh, your your learning around that because I think yeah. it, it took me a while to become a servant leader myself. That's the where my kind of curiosity I, came from. You know, and, I, and I certainly think there's been, you know, I'm sure, you know, I've I've had a, you know, this is, I've done, you know, done this a few times, and I'm definitely, I'm sure there's there's been a lot of times where I fell into the trap of going the other way, right? Um, you know, I can, you know, well, I think the hardest <laughs> the hardest thing growing a team is like especially when it's small is when you get somebody who's not a fit, right? I think that's, that's really the challenge, especially on a small team is whether you've just, you know, made totally made the wrong hire or whatever the case may be, but they're, they're not a fit and, and trying to recognize it quickly, right? Because you're not doing them a service and you're not doing the rest of your team a service. But I think that's where you fall. That's where I have recognized the pattern. It's something that I look for. If I find myself and I have somebody on the team and I'm just, you know, constantly having to not even correct them, but sort of help them and they get, they're getting stuck and they're, you know, needing coaching all the time and, and, they're just not a fit when you have three or four people, right? I mean, that's that there are, there's people who they, they're going to go on to be great engineers and they're going to, but you have to find the right fit for everybody. And that, to me, that's when I find myself really have the, the cases that I look back and I'm like, oh, I should have done that differently. Like I should have seen early on, you know, that this wasn't, you know, it wasn't quite working. And so those, I think those are probably the lessons that have taught me it's a kind of a pattern of how I, how I'm deciding who I'm going to hire is, is this the person where I can just say, here's what I need you to do, go do it. And they're just going to solve that problem. Right? Like that's kind of what I'm looking for. Um, and the flip side is you got to make sure that you're growing the team, right? You have to be, you know, not, you know, they're not just going to go off and do everything on their own. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's always a balance, but to me, that's how I've kind of learned it is like, it's usually from the mistakes, right? Um, yes. That you learn. Yeah, and it's been yeah. I, I, that's a uh, yeah. yeah, and that, that's a really important aspect of leadership is is being able to make the mistakes. Otherwise, you're playing too careful. You're kind of yeah. uh, walking a very tight tight uh, line, and uh, that doesn't serve the business or or the teams at all. So, um, as part of your teams, and you kind of mentioned that you at the moment, you know, you, you're looking at growing and what have you. What's your opinion on augmenting teams and and kind of having a mix of internal and external because this is something that a lot of tech leaders do it seems to be part of the kind of 
world we live in. It's it's well that that is a I, I think that's like the it's it's a shift a shifting landscape in a way that it hasn't been in a while with with the way that work is is evolving due to due to the pandemic in particular, right? I mean, you you see companies all over the place struggling with it right now. Um because now the I think the line is blurred a lot more as you move into um more people working remotely. Well, now what, you know, there's less difference between somebody who's an employee and somebody who's a contractor or somebody who's um you know in in my past experience I've really found that especially in the early days you got you got to have a tight team and you got to have you know you don't want to I, I think the word friends is is not necessarily the right thing because it's a work environment but you got to have that same level of of trust with your team right when you're only four people or six people or even 10 or 15 people everybody's working on sort of everything right like the sales people are always coming back to the the engineers and you know the everybody's kind of mixing and and you got to have high level of trust and that naturally is going to be less as as you grow but in terms of you know augmenting a team to me it's it's usually you have things that are core to the business like when you're building a platform or whether it's a mobile apps or whatever you're building you have like your core things that you're they're like your bread and butter and they're what you're selling and then you have the stuff that you that you kind of add on right whether like for us a good example is is mobile apps like we we don't even have one um we toyed with it off and on um and now i think when we get ready it's going to be more about partnering with other people who already have mobile apps because what in partly what we hear from our customers is there's there's maybe even literally hundreds of mobile apps for um especially for trucking carriers you know like every every company out there has one and especially the bigger companies sometimes they have more than one right. um and you know these you know you've got I mean how many you know how many things are you going to put on your phone and be checking and getting notifications right um <laughs> so so we we have kind of stayed away from that and almost more of a back office solution you know we're um but but I think eventually we will want to be out there on the edge and it'll probably be partnerships for us but I think when we were looking at that that was something that we never really explored doing that in house right because i i hadn't hired anybody who had ios experience or android experience or had you know a deep knowledge of building those things out and it wasn't you know worth our time so we would go we would go hire a team to do that and that's that's kind of my experience is when i've had the best expect the best sorry when i've had the best success going sort of outside is you need to have a, a a very solid scope right and then you can go hire a team that can do that and deliver it for you right and um i've i've seen you know big projects where you hire you know where all i was doing was kind of serving as like the product owner or the product manager and the whole team was outsource but but in that situation i was talking to them every day and they were almost they were they were my team even though they weren't employees of the company right and i've seen you know like a, in the case of a mobile app it's just like okay here's 
here's the here's the product spec. I need this on iOS. Build it right. And I don't. I'm not in that case. You're not looking at all, and it's very tightly defined, and it, it's just the experience that matters. So it's it like everything. There's no right answer, but yeah. I have I I've had less success sort of randomly integrating just like a like oh I'm just going to go hire a, a hired gun for six months. I that to me doesn't work as well. Now you know in in my current incarnation, half of our team are technically contractors right. um, because they're they're overseas and we haven't you know gone through the hoops of setting up shop in these countries so that we can make them full-time employees, but, but we don't think of them as contractors. And so that, that is, you know, they both in, in the case of actually the people I'm thinking of, they've all been with us for more than almost three years. So we've been around for four years and they've been with us for almost three. So they've been around a long time and they're really just part of the, part of the team. That's that's good. I, I I like the idea of uh, people, external people, being part of the team. They're kind of brought into the fold. Um, I, I have worked with companies that have created a very different perspective, and I don't I don't think it helps. And it, but actually, it doesn't help. You know, if someone doesn't feel like they're part of the team, then they're going to behave like they're not part of the team. Um, and, and coming to um, your uh, you know your experience of transitioning to a, a, a yeah. tech leader, you you obviously didn't aspire. Uh, or want to be that you kind of fell into it you you kind of explain i mean what advice would you give to other aspiring tech leaders out there well uh if if you if you know you're an aspiring tech leader i think you've already sort of won half the battle um to me i think especially nowadays um there's a lot of career paths. And like, I, I think a thing that one thing that's I, that I've learned, and I think it's, you know, it, maybe it's my own self trying to give myself comfort is like, as you get older in the tech space, you know, you, I see, you see a lot of people online that are sort of worried, like, oh, I've been writing software for 20 years. And now I'm like the old guy. And, and am I still going to have a fit? And I think there's always a room for that experienced, you know, really knowledgeable person. I, I think it's funny, people worry about that. But I think what I what I learned, and this I actually did learn from working at a bigger a bigger company. So uh, you know what my com- previous company, Tea Leaf, we got bought by IBM. Oh wow! And you know there was a lot of you know a lot of growing pains merging from uh, you know from I guess we had maybe a hundred employees at the time into into IBM, right? Um, and uh, but one thing that I thought was really cool that IBM did is they had taken the time to build out a track where if you really just want to write code, we're going to, you know, we're going to let you write code for 30 years and retire. And, and, and they had built out what they had really done was built out an entire, you know, sort of corporate p- promotion stack for people who didn't want to be managers. Right. Mm. And, and, so to me, I think the first the first hurdle is is figuring that out because not everybody, not everybody is going to be a good manager, and usually those are people who don't really want to be managers. Like yes. you, I, I think everybody in the in the industry has met that person who just sort of, <laughs> oh well, that's the next step, right? As I became a manager, and now I have a team, and I'm that's what we do, and you know. Sometimes they're okay at it and sometimes they're not. And, and, you know, but I, I think there's that in the tech space is I think the big, the big hurdle is, is be sure it's what you want to do. Right. Yeah. Because it wasn't for a long time for me. Um, 
you know, I, it's probably, I was probably 15 or 16 years into my career before I was like, all right, I'm ready to do, I'm ready to do something besides write code every day. Right. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's, that's my, my first advice is just, you know, know what you want to do and then find the, find the spot that fits because nowadays you can get a job doing anything if you're if you know how to write some software right i mean there's just no end of jobs so um i think that's my advice and then if you if you want to be a manager the trick is the trick for me was learning to get the satisfaction on the days when i wasn't writing software like that was the hardest thing um is you know when you're in it and you're writing code every day it's you're and you know when you've done a full day's work, right? And when something has worked and it's great and you've really, like that's, you get, you know, but transitioning that to those days when, and I still, this is, you know, my worst days are the days when I find, oh, I'm just on meetings all day, every day. <laughs> like, oh, I have like, you know, back to that. That's, it's very hard. At the end of the day, I'm, a, I'm tired and I'm wiped out and I'm like, did I even accomplish anything today you know so i think that's the challenge is finding the, the the joy and i know you know um actually i at cargo chief probably about a year ago we had um you know we launched a new feature and i remember thinking we went into production with it and i was like wow i i didn't write a line of code Right. Like I, I didn't, and it's, and it's right. Like it's, it's done right. Like, you know, the team put this out there and it's, you know, it's right. Um, and, and, and that was that those moments are still even now, like they're kind of an epiphany. Cause it's like, you got to remember, like it's learning to find that, like, that was so, I was so, I remember being so happy about it that day. I was just like, wow. You know, like, they just, they knocked this out of the park with almost no involvement from me, yes. right? Like I gave them a product spec and I, I tested it and I told them, oh, we need to, you know, we need to make these changes to the design or this, but, but they just, they did it and they did it right. And they, and that was super exciting. And so it, that's been the challenge for me is like day to day finding that like, oh, you know, like so-and-so really, really nailed this or like, you know, like, oh, you know, previously he all they always did this wrong yeah and now they do it right right like it's that that's the challenge i think is is making that leap from i really just wrote some beautiful code that works perfectly and to wow i really helped that guy or that girl write this beautiful code right mm -hmm. i really you know i really helped them move from you know being somebody who googles this and and has to go look it up to Oh, they did it and they built it and it worked, right? I, so that's the challenge, I think, mostly. Yes. I mean, the management stuff, you just have to find your style and you have to hopefully, you know, you have to want to be a manager and grow a team. But the challenge, I think, for technical people is you don't get to be as technical anymore, right? It's I mean, you've spent right. your career learning to do this thing and now you're, you're removed from it. And that's, that's, it's a hard, it's hard, right? It's yes. hard to find that, that satisfaction when you, when you don't get to do it. And that's why I think back to my first point, it's, it's be sure it's what you want to do. Yes. Right. Because you don't have to, like, I feel like I always felt like when I was younger, for sure, like that, there was just a career path, right? Yeah. You, 
you did this for three or four years and then you would move up and you would do that and then you would move up and eventually you were going to be like a manager and you were going to have teams under you and that's just what you did um but you have to want to do it uh and if you don't you shouldn't because yes. it's not going to be good for anybody no that's that's good um, advice yeah and um I, i'm always interested in what books uh help define your journey oh goodness um uh, are there any books that uh, you'd like to recommend uh, to other tech leaders out there? Well, like, you know, right right now, there is a book that I'm reading about servant leadership right now um, that's really, it's not a technical book at all, um, but it's, but it's, um, it's interesting um, in terms of how to, how to really grow teams. Um, and I'll, I'll try to, I'll have to find the, the name of, I'll go find that book here. Um, but and then, you know, another, I think the key is just be reading non-technical stuff is my, you know, another book that I'm reading right now is a book called Outliers, Outlier CEOs. I don't know if you've read that one, but yeah. um, it's a really interesting book um, and it has nothing to do with software at all. But if you're looking to move into sort of that next step, it's important to be thinking about, um, you know, other things that aren't technical, right? Like how do you grow a company? How do you grow a team? How do you grow a, a culture? And, you know, again, that's actually, it's, it's, it, it all, a lot of it comes back to the same thing. Cause I know the big takeaway that I get from this outlier book is the CEOs that they talk about are all people who weren't really involved in day-to-day -day operations, right? They found people who they trusted to go do that job Yes. And they focused on sort of running the ship, right? They let's 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 steer this way, but then you know I'm not down in the engine room telling them what to do, or I'm not over here. Mm. You know, they found the people and they trusted them, and I so that's and then it's it's of course blogs. I think I, that's probably the reason I don't have books is it's so much about you know Substack and blogs and and articles that are out there. Um, so I yeah. Um, I don't have anything off the top of my head other than that's okay. That. That's that's good. Be, okay. be reading, right? Like, I mean, I think that's the key is, 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 I mean, it's kind of part of your job, right? Is to be learning, especially as you move up the stack is like be in touch um, and be reading and learning what other people are doing um, to get those, those best practices. Brilliant. Here we go. This is a fun part of the podcast. Well, it's all fun, <laughs> but this is the fun, fun part. Um, I'm going to be a tech genie for a second. I'm going to offer you oh. a tech wish for your leadership, for your teams, for your industry. What would your wish be? Oh, let me think about it. I feel like you got you to think about this. You always see those those genies are tricky. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I, would, I would wish for better better insight into what we can do for the customers, right? It's, it's not a technical thing. I would... I, I, I think my wishes would be around really finding the ways, like I said, we're, we're trying to figure out how to build a community and a group and, and, and closing that, that feedback loop. You know, I think it's, it's in a startup, it's so much, I mean, the technology is sometimes, you know, if you're, if you're at a, if you're at a technology startup and you're building, all you're doing is building machine learning models and you build, that's great. But if you're at a, product company and I, I really think of cargo chief as more of a more of a product company than a technology company like we're not we're not out there developing cutting edge new tech we're taking other people's technology and, and solving a problem and so my wish would really be 
to really master how we can close that loop and, and do better at quickly identifying what our customer needs and how we can help them because that's, that's how you improve the product and grow the business. So that's, um, it may not even be the right wish for a, for a tech genie. Um, although there are a lot of tools out there for, for sort of mapping and running that, that customer journey. And so maybe my wish would be to find the, the right one to, yeah. to help me, yeah. help me do that. That's right. Um, and I think that that's a really interesting point because there are a lot of tools out there. In fact, there's so many tools, it's really hard to, and, uh, and you end up going down these rabbit holes of data analysis and figuring it out, you know? I think, I mean, I think that's, that's, uh, you got to stick to it. And I don't know if that's a, that's not a, a wish. Like I, I it's kind of, you guys got to, they're all, I mean, there's wrong tools and right tools, but there's so much overlap. I think that the rabbit hole thing is a, is a good one to avoid. If you can just avoid that, that trap of, Oh, I better go find a new solution. And uh, you're usually better off making what you have work. If, it, if it's not, you know, if it's a tool that you use and you know it, uh, that's, that's, that is a good one because there are a lot of tools and they're all, you know, they all have their strengths, strengths and weaknesses. Um, and I'm sure like, you know, lots of people, you always fall into that trap of, oh, well, what if there's another tool out there that yes, does just this right. one yeah. thing? And, and you're always, uh, you're always updating and migrating and uh, tool yeah. fiddling, you know, fiddling with the tools. Um, yeah. So as we come to the close, uh, yeah. what's, what's the final key takeaway that you'd like to kind of leave the tech leader, women and men out there? Uh, what gift would you offer them? Um, what gift would I, would I offer them? Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think, it, it, I think I'm going to come back to the same thing. It, it's really what I've learned, especially, especially now in this world where, I mean, I, I don't even know what you could do that, that you couldn't get a job in software is, is kind of just really figure out what you want to do, right? And whether that's, you know, even as a leader, it, it matters a lot um, that you're, you're sort of passionate about not being, not even just being a leader, but what, you, what you're doing, right? I mean, I've never been a person, I know I have friends who've worked in the exact same industry and they've just gone, you know, either at one company or several companies, but they're, they're always writing, you know, fintech software or they're always writing this kind of, and I've bounced around from industry to industry and I, and, and my, you know, I just sort of like finding new problems and sort of solving them. But, but I think that's my advice is, is take the time to figure out exactly like what it is that you want to do. Um, even if it's a leadership standpoint, what problem do you want to solve? Don't just go take the next position because there's, there's lots of jobs out there, right? Like, and, it, and it, there's, it, it's, so that's, that's the, the learning is like slow down and figure out what works for, for you, I think. Right. Um, is, is probably what I would say, which is, you know, I don't know if that's a great answer, but that's, that's kind of my, um, that's kind of my, my answer is, is take the time to really, figure out what works for you and then build, build a career from there. Right. Um, like it. Great words. So thank you for your time, Kirk. It's been great having you on board and I've thoroughly enjoyed your wisdom. Uh, well, thanks. Thanks for having me. And hopefully, hopefully there was some wisdom in there, in there somewhere, but it's been a great chatting with you and uh, been a lot of fun. 
Well, what a delightful conversation that was. I love how Cargo Chief is levelling the playing field and enabling so many more companies through tech. In his own words, level that playing field by giving the technology to all the players, not just the few. The cutting edge of tech democratising markets. Love it. So what were your key takeaways? This is a short selection of mine. Number one, my first key takeaway is on growing pains, especially on that golden thread in all organisations, which is the quality of communication. Kirk mentioned how he likes working startup-like cultures and has always gravitated towards smaller companies. Loving that startup culture. And communication is the key, as he said. You can't stress that enough. Communication is not something that should be left to chance. It has to be designed, especially as companies grow. You need to make sure that the health of that information flowing in the organisation is serving it as well as it can be retaining the advantages that smaller startup organisations have. My second key takeaway is around feedback loops. In fact, Kirk's wish was related to this, the wish to the tech genie. Knowing what the hell the customer wants is so important. Just like in coaching, we don't try to think for our coaches. We get the coachee to articulate the goal and outcomes. And this is the same case for our customers. We don't want to be making second guesses. Create strong feedback loops into the organisation so that you are solving the real problems in the business domains of your customers. My third and final key takeaway is about what Kirk voiced for techies out there. There is a spectrum of what you can do. The market of technology is just huge. So figure out and go for what you want. Find your passion in the work. Find the problem that you want to be part of solving. Play to your innate desires and bring that into the value of what you deliver. Step back, slow things down and choose what you want to do. So thank you for your insights, Kirk. I loved our conversation and good luck to you, your team and that of the Cargo Chief tribe as a whole to level that playing field, sharpening the competitive edge and efficiency edge for many more players in the market. And finally, may the wind be in your sails for your continued journey for your success and that of your customers. Thank you, Kirk. And finally, remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Labs services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.